The church today longs for Mayberry as far as church life goes. Oh, we wish it could just be like the good old days, we say. If we could sing those same songs, we could have similar schedules. If everybody around respected us and loved us because we were Christians, can't we have those days again? Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. Our 2019 theme is making disciples as we help our community know God, become family, and impact the world. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Well, that's my all-time favorite TV show. I know younger generations may not be quite as familiar with it, but it's still very popular on select channels. From 1960 to 1968, the Andy Griffith Show was one of the top viewed shows, and it's last year, 1968, it was the number one show. Uh, you remember it if you used to watch it, and I know still uh, my children grew up with it because I liked it and they had to watch it, but, uh, but you had Lincoln-esque Sheriff Andy Taylor who could solve any problem imaginable in 30 minutes or less. And then you had bumbling Deputy Barney Fife, who always presented Andy with what seemed like impossible problems. Then you had spinster Aunt B, who lived with the family, and, and precocious Opie, the child, who always seemed to present his dad with a new challenge. And then there was a cast of sub-characters that just made the show so interesting. And there was Goober and Gomer at the gas station. There was Floyd the barber, and who can forget Ernest T. Bass? And so all these characters were so familiar because they reminded us of the way life used to be. In fact, in an interview, Andy Griffith said that even though the show was, not, was shot in the 1960s, it was really more like the 1930s. Well, the 1960s, if you remember and if you read, that was a time of great societal upheaval in America. We had massive demonstrations related to the Vietnam War. We had many demonstrations related to racial strife in America, racial riots in America. And so Andy Griffith said the show probably depicted the 1930s. But the 1930s was the Great Depression. People would stand in long lines just to get food. It was a horrible time, which makes us wonder, did Mayberry ever really exist at all? Has there ever been a time of Mayberry? The church today longs for Mayberry as far as church life goes. Oh, we wish it could just be like the good old days, we say. If we could sing those same songs, we could have similar schedules. If everybody around respected us and loved us because we were Christians, can't we have those days again? But the sad reality is that Mayberry is gone and it's not coming back. Today, our values, by and large, as far as the media is concerned, Hollywood is concerned, educational institutions are concerned, are, are vilified if you hold to traditional marriage or sanctity of human life. And even our system of government is under attack where there's a growing movement, it seems, to just tear everything down like was occurred in the French Revolution and start all over. And it seems that nothing's sacred. Everything's under attack. Society's in a time of great upheaval. Mayberry's gone. It's not coming back. So what are we to do? How are we to live? That's the question we face. But it's not a unique question. 
There have been generations in time past that had to face similar challenges, some far worse than ours. In fact, in Jeremiah 29, if you have your Bible, turn there please. In Jeremiah 29, we read the story of the prophet Jeremiah who's communicating, who's writing to exiles from Israel, Jerusalem, who live in Babylon. You see, because they had disobeyed God, God brought judgment upon them. And Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, laid siege to Jerusalem for two years. Uh, Starved everybody out. Conditions were horrible inside the city walls. Some say they even resorted to cannibalism just to stay alive. No water, no food, infighting. And finally, the city fell. The wall was torn down. The temple was destroyed. The worship instruments were desecrated. And many of the occupants of Jerusalem were marched across a hot desert at the tip of a spear about a thousand miles away to live against their will, unable to go home, unable to communicate with their dearly beloved Jerusalem, with their dearly beloved Mayberry. And they had to figure out, and God's instructions to them were, this is how you are to live in the post-Mayberry era, and this is how, church, with all the changes we face, we are to live in a post-Christian era, post-Mayberry era, if it ever existed, in the church. And so the prophet Jeremiah is writing to the exiles, living in Babylon now for a few years, and he's giving them instructions. Now, false prophets had said, oh, you're not going to be there very long. Just wait. You'll be coming home real soon. But Jeremiah had the unenviable task, as your pastor does sometimes, to declare the word of God. But you do it whether it's popular or not, and Jeremiah did here, beginning in chapter 29 of Jeremiah, verse 1. These things are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the remainder of the elders who were carried away captive to the priests, the prophets, all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. Then the contents of the letter beginning verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit, take wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands, so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished, and seek the peace of the city, where I have caused you to be carried away captive, And pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace you will have peace. Father, we pray now as we look at this subject of Mary Bear is gone, not coming back. What am I to do? That you'll put us in a position of being teachable, being pliable, willing to hear, quick to obey. Guide us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What, what were God's words to the exiles living in Babylon against their will, their area of familiarity, their Mayberry is gone? First thing God said, settle down, settle in where you are. Verse 5, build houses, dwell in them, eat the fruit of the garden, plant gardens, stay there, put down roots. God's word to them was quit looking over your shoulder, longing for 
Jerusalem, learn to live in Babylon. A false prophet Hananiah said in verse 11 of chapter 28, the stay would be only two years. Jeremiah said, no, no, that's false teaching. He said, in fact, you're going to be living in Babylon for 70, 70 long years. The recipients of this letter were going to die in Babylon. They were never going home. They're never going back. Their, their children or grandchildren might, but the recipients of the letter are going to have to figure out how you live the life God's called you to live in Babylon. Just like our generation has to figure out in post-Christian America how we live the life God's called us to live. We have to remember in Acts chapter 17, the Apostle Paul was speaking at the, to the Athenian philosophers at the Greek Aragopagus. And in his speech, he says, God who sets our habitations and establishes our dwellings. God who knows where we are, God who knows how to reach us, have that understanding, okay, I need to settle down. God's placed me here. This is not accidental. This is providential. So I'm going to trust the Lord that he's going to bless me here and use me here, even though it's not my choice to be here. Some of you may be in situations it's not your choice, but it's where you are right now. And God's word is to you where you are right now, learn to let me speak to you, learn to let you discover my will for you right where you are. Quit looking over your shoulder, stop looking for greener pastures. Sometimes in church life we do that, don't we? Oh, let's go to that church, they've got a newer facility. Oh, let's go to that church, they give donuts before Sunday school. Uh, let's go to that church, they've got better coffee over there. And, and we're always looking for something better. God says, you settle down, you, you make a commitment, put down roots, stay where you are, accept your position. Remember Moses, when God called him to go to Pharaoh and declare the message, let my people go? Moses gave a litany of excuses of why God should call someone else. And eventually he said, and God, I'm just slow of tongue. I don't speak well. I, I should not be the one to represent you before Pharaoh. In the deep south where I live, we, our terminology would be, he don't talk plain. That's why we'd say that. I don't talk plain. I don't have that gift of eloquence. And God became so exasperated with Moses. He said, Moses, who made man's mouth? Who made the deaf, deaf, the blind, blind, the lame, lame? Was it not I, the Lord? I made you the way you are for a reason and for a purpose. And God made you where you are for a reason and for a purpose and placed you where you are for a reason, a plan, his plan, and a purpose. Back many years ago, uh, God's blessed our family with five children, four daughters and a son. But our firstborn, Shelly, was born, <coughs> excuse me, profoundly retarded, <coughs> never developed. We were in ap the application process with our International Mission Board to become missionaries. And then she was born, and we received her diagnosis, and... I was devastated, and I had a lot of talks with the Lord. God, do you not know who we are? Do you not know what we're willing to do with our lives? And, and you give us a, a special needs child, and she's never going to develop, and she didn't. She never passed three months mentally, never walked, never talked, never crawled, never spoke. Lived to be 20. But I look back now and think about what a blessing she was to us. But I was so angry at God. I wanted to change my circumstance so badly at first. 
I didn't want to settle down, but I'd have missed so many blessings if I hadn't. If you refuse to settle, 1 Peter 5.10, Peter said, my prayer for the church of the diaspora, you, you learn to settle. You learn to be content where you are. I can bless you where you are just like I can in Babylon or I could in Jerusalem. So first, God's word to the church today is quit looking for greener pastures, quit longing for Mayberry, settle down. Secondly, he says, enjoy or remember I placed you there. Verse 4, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, who I have caused to be captive in Babylon. I've caused it. You see, about 587 B.C., when Nebuchadnezzar laid siege to Israel and marched everybody across the hot desert, that was because of Israel's disobedience. There's consequence to sin. And, and today, if you're living with sin and, and rationalizing sin, there, there's consequences to that. There's a price to pay for that. And Israel had to pay the price for their sin. And so God says, there's a reason you're living as exiles. There's a reason that's happened. Remember, I put you there. If you want to blame somebody, blame me. It's my fault. I did it. I allowed it to happen. And you and I have to remember that the church hadn't done that great a job, really, in reaching America. Uh, we have to look in the mirror. We say, why are things like they are? Sometimes look in the mirror to say, well, Lord, have I been the witness I should have been? Have I taken the stand I should have taken? Have I made disciples like you called me to make disciples? Have I reproduced myself in the life of other people so they can reproduce themselves in the lives of other people? And sometimes the, the blame has to be at later own feet, why things are as they are. Remember, he says, I placed you there. But he says also, I want you to enjoy where you are, enjoy where I've placed you. Build houses, verse 5, but also verse 6, take wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and daughters and give your daughters to husbands. Now, in this era, in this time, uh, the, the big celebration was always the wedding. He says, I want you to have weddings. I want you to have a big party. There was no internet. There was no TV. There were no cell phones. There was nothing. And so the, the, the big occasion was the wedding party. And it lasted several days. And God said, I want you to learn how even in Babylon to have a party. I want you to learn even in Babylon to have weddings and have a good time because I want you to discover that where you are now, I can bless you just as much there as I could back in Jerusalem. My blessing is not limited geographically. And if you think, I just got to change my circumstance to, to be happy. I've got to change my environment to be content and at peace. God's word may be to you, no, your happiness is not wrapped up in circumstance. Philippians 4.11, the apostle Paul wrote, I've learned in whatever circumstance I am in, therein to be content. And he wrote that from a prison cell. He learned contentment in jail. And so you and I can do the same thing. We, we long, so if I, could, if I could just drive that car, if I could just wear those clothes, if I could just have those friends, if I could just go to that party. You know, in our, in our culture, we think, uh, because my neighbor went on a Mediterranean cruise and I can't afford it, and the best thing I can afford is go to Six Flags over Texas, now, I'm being persecuted. This, uh, life's so cruel to me. And God says, will you just knock it off? I can bless you in Babylon. I can bless you where you are. Quit looking for a different boyfriend or a different girlfriend, or even a boy, if I was married to him instead of her, or her instead of him, I'd be happy. If I could drive that car, live in that house, then I'd be at peace. God says, you just let your enjoyment be in your relationship with me. Enjoy where I placed you. 
And then he says, grow where I placed you as well. Give your children to spouses so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. God wanted them to grow in Babylon. Evidently, they not built houses. They not planted gardens. And they were saying, you know, things are so bad. We, we, we don't want to bring children into this kind of setting. We don't want to bring children in this kind of environment. We don't want to do that. And maybe today people are saying the same thing. And God's saying, no, I want you to grow. Psalm 127.3, the Bible says that children are a heritage of the Lord. Blessed is the man who has a quiver full of them. When I was in Hebrew class in seminary, I was told that a quiver could hold up to five arrows. So I went home and told my wife, Debbie, I said, God wants us to have five children. She said, okay, so we had five children. But in a subsequent Hebrew class, I learned that sometimes the quiver could hold up to 20 arrows. We decided we'd stay with the original interpretation. But, but we, we, we were satisfied with the five. But, but in, in the old covenant, one of the ways God blessed was through children. But in the new covenant, it's not just biological children, it's also spiritual. 2 Peter 3, 9 and 10, God wishes none to perish but all to come to repentance. All, everybody. God blesses us through bearing spiritual fruit. Being a witness both visually and verbally for the Lord. Sharing that good news. And God wants churches to grow. He wants all us to be reaching people even in Babylon. Not to think, oh, we've got to hibernate. We've got to crawl in a hole and then cover ourselves up. We've got to go live in some remote mountain location uh, to live out our faith. And God says, no, you're in Babylon now and you're post-Christian America. And I can bless you there and I want you to grow where you are. And as you're growing, then have a vision for what can happen. Have a vision for the change that can occur. Proverbs 29, 18, without the vision, the people perish. You have a great vision here to reach your community. You're doing a great job here. You've got a wonderful church and beautiful facility and great pastor and staff. And just encourage you to love on them, pray for them, and follow them. But have that vision to grow. Just like God's vision for Israel in Babylon. I want you to grow. I want you to change Babylon. Don't let Babylon change you. You change Babylon. When the Romans attacked <coughs> Rome, ancient Rome, many Christians in Rome, not when the barbarians attacked ancient Rome, many Christians thought, God, what's happened? We're, we're believers here. And you've allowed these barbarians to come in and take over our beloved Roman Empire? And they were so discouraged and despondent at all that happened around them. And Augustine, one of the leaders of the church, said, well, the barbarians are here. Let's win the barbarians. And they did. And we can have a pity party that, oh, society doesn't embrace my faith anymore. If society mocks my faith today, we can have that. That's not the Lord's will. The Lord's will is, okay, you have a vision to reach those people. Now, what can you dif do differently in how you do church, how you live out your Christian life? What can you do differently to make a difference? And God will bless and God will honor you know, Chick-fil-A, I, I love Chick-fil-A sandwiches. But if you keep up with the news, you see that Chick-fil-A restaurants are being boycotted, being picketed, in some cases forced to close because of the faith they profess. They, they stand for truth and, and honesty and Christian values, and they support ministry, just radical ministries like Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And Salvation Army, 
I'm th these used to be the, the paragons of kind of folks you want to be like and embrace and support. And now the dominant culture is saying, oh, you don't want to be affiliated with FCA. And Chick-fil-A supports FCA. Chick-fil-A supports Samaritan's Purse and Franklin Graham. Chick-fil-A supports Salvation Army. Let's boycott Chick-fil-A. But, you know, that hadn't stopped them from making chicken sandwiches. You know, they're still expanding their business. They're, they're, about last month they opened a, a new restaurant or, or last year they opened a new restaurant in New York City, and the mayor of New York City said, we don't want Chick-fil-A values in New York City. The first day when they opened up, beginning at 4 a.m., people were lined up to buy chicken sandwiches. Didn't stop Chick-fil-A selling chicken sandwiches. Toronto, two weeks ago, they opened another restaurant in Toronto. Protesters outside against Chick-fil-A. But even more lined up around the block to buy the sandwiches. Now, if they'll go right at opposition to sell a chicken sandwich in a culture that doesn't like them, how should you and I be living our Christian life in a culture that no longer embraces our faith? If a chicken sandwich can drive folks to keep pushing the boundaries and expanding their influence, certainly with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, we can certainly do the same thing ourselves and be a blessing even though Mayberry's gone and not coming back. Then you get to verse 7. Seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. When this letter was being read publicly, and probably it was being read publicly, as the hearers were hearing it, they were probably going, okay, okay, okay. But then when they got to verse 7, Seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried away captive. Peace in Hebrew can be translated blessing, prosperity. You, you're saying, God, you want me to bless these Babylonians that destroyed the wall around my city, tore down the temple, stole sacred instruments, killed my family members, marched me across a hot desert, are holding me here as a slave in Babylon, won't let me go home. You want me to pray for these people? They probably said, we'll pray for them. We pray they go to hell. That's what we'll pray. And sometimes that's how we react to the dominant culture. Yeah, we'll pray for them. We'll pray they go to hell. God said, no, I put you there for a reason. I want you to win Babylon. I want you to learn to be a blessing to Babylon. 1 Timothy 2, 2 tells us to pray for those that are in leadership, those positions of authority. And reach out to be a blessing to them. So how are we to be a blessing in Babylon when Babylon despises us and our teachings and our values. And our ethics and our morals. I've been blessed to work with some great staff through the years. Sean's one of them. The youth pastor I had when I was a pastor in Virginia. Uh, John G. Tate. My daughter and son-in-law attend that church. Now he's, he's become a church planter. And they started their church in Bedford, Virginia 11 years ago. Started in a YMCA, and they started out with a mindset, with a vision, we're going to bless our community. We know our community, mostly is non-Christian, we're going to bless them. And so the, the small group got together and said, what can we do to bless Babylon, bless our community? And they started going to businesses and offered to clean restrooms. And then they did it again and again. Well, pretty soon people talked, if you heard about those people want to clean our bathrooms? 
Nobody wants to come up and clean bathrooms. Nobody wants to do that. But they did it again and again and started a church, started mentoring young people. I know you've got an opportunity to do that here. Mentoring young people, children that are behind in the in classroom, offering themselves. And went to the schools and said, what do you need at your school? We need everything. Tax base is low here. We're, we're kind of a poor community. And we need paint. So the church painted a cafeteria. Uh, in one instance, they, they were out front of a high school football game and put on T-shirts or gave away T-shirts as people came into the football game. People put, put them on over their, their clothing. And the principal said that when he looked up in the stands, he, he saw all these shirts the same color as the school colors. And he said, you know, when I saw what you did for our school, I said, we, we want to partner with folks like you. You, you've, you tried to bless us. We want to partner with you. Well, that church has a vision in Babylon where they are that at 500 in attendance, they send out about 200 more to start another church in another community. They're 11 years old. They're in their 10th church plant. And their latest church plant is going to be in Philadelphia where members are moving from Virginia to Pennsylvania just to get jobs, just to start a new church there. Learning to bless where they are in Virginia, Pennsylvania, Oklahoma, America. Learn to bless Babylon. Now this afternoon we meet, I'm going to tell you more details about how that's true. And I'm going to tell you about a, a grandmother who stepped outside her comfort zone and was greatly used to the Lord because she made her, her mind, regardless of what she wanted to look forward to in, May, in Mayberry, she was going to be a blessing and how God so profoundly used her. Our invitation today is there's cards in your bulletin or on your seats of opportunities for you to serve. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 1 Peter 4.10 says, as each one of you has a gift, so use the gift in service one to another. God wants you in this post-Christian time, post-Mayberry era, to be a blessing. And I'm going to ask you to sincerely pray and ask the Lord how you can serve, how you can be used of him to be a blessing in Babylon. Because Mayberry is gone, not coming back. And God's word gives us instructions of what we are to do. Let's pray together. Father, our prayer together today is that you would help us to be blessings in Babylon. The world has changed. It's not like what many of us grew up with. It's not like what is depicted on an old TV show. But you love these people nonetheless. They need the Lord. And part of our opportunity, part of our challenge, part of our privilege is to be used of you to reach people, men, women, boys, and girls, to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to do that and be faithful in doing so, we ask. We also, Father, pray this morning that anyone here who's not yet come to know the Lord, even today they can make peace with God through his Son, Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you do that as the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart? And just begin by saying in your heart to the Lord, Lord, please save me, a sinner. Lord, please save me, a sinner. And if you're genuinely sincere in what you request, the God of heaven 
will move heaven and earth to come directly to you. And you could begin that wonderful life he offers you. God, I pray for some who may be carrying a heavy burden today. They're, they're trying to change their environment. They're, they're hoping to find happiness by, by finding a, a new boyfriend, new girlfriend, or drive that car, or live in that house, wear those clothes. But help them to understand that true peace and contentment comes from a relationship with you. Casting their cares on the Lord because you care for them. And I pray that we'll all do that today, is make Jesus first in every way, even though we may be living in Babylon. Pray for those that may need to join a church family, Father. Draw them today, we pray, to join this great, wonderful church that already has a vision to reach their community and beyond for Christ. Some need to follow the Lord in believers' baptism and make that public identification with Him through those waters. Father, help us, we pray, in this invitation time to do today what we know you want us to do and ask in Jesus' name, amen. We sing a song of invitation in just a moment. If you've trusted Christ or would like to, the staff will be off to the side and you can walk to them and they'd love to explain to you how to follow the Lord. If you have another decision to make, join the fellowship or be baptized or just need special prayer for a decision or situation you're facing, you do today what you know God wants you to do as we sing. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.